Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have the CEO of Video Marketing World, Mr. Scott Simpson on the show. You guys are going to love this guy's story. You're going to love everything about him. So do yourself, your friends, your family, and me a favor and go ahead and share this video out to everybody you know, because this is going to be a life-changing interview. We'll see you in just a second. And we are back. Let me bring Scott on. Scott, welcome to the show. Hey, Ken. Thanks for having me on your show. I'm excited to be here. Dude, I'm excited to have you here, man. Um, you and I just recently met. And um, I really, I just, I dig your energy, man. You uh, Likewise. You got good energy. We connected. I, I, We're like this now. We really did. I, I You know, um, we both have a lot of experience in video and video marketing and stuff, and we'll get into some of that. But, you know, I started this show. It's been almost four years ago. I've interviewed over 400 celebrities and entrepreneurs. And, um, man, I I'm telling you, I'm excited to hear your story. I really am. So we have some rock stars on right now joining us, Mr. Doug Wing. What's up, Doug? You know of his family, the little giant ladder company. Um, some amazing people joining us. So thank you, guys. I appreciate all of you Larry. being here. And and Scott, why don't we start with you telling everybody where you were born and raised? All right. I um, so I was born in and uh, actually in Northern California, just up up uh, north of San Francisco in a in a small town called Santa Rosa, and. I moved to Boise, Idaho when I was seven years old. My dad transferred from Hewlett-Packard, moved us up to Boise, Idaho. And I, so I grew up in the mountains uh, wow. from seven until I think I moved away when we were 20, 25. Yeah. So all of my, my, most of my childhood and, and uh, early adult life was in Boise. And um, if you've never been there, uh, it's a great place to go. Just don't move there. Cause you'll hate the why? Because <laughs> what? You'll hate the traffic. <laughs> oh, is it bad? It's one of those places where they've grown <laughs> so fast that the infrastructure just isn't quite there to manage all of the growth. And so anywhere you go, it takes forever. Uh, we still have family there, so we go there. Uh, we go there once, once or twice a year, and it's fun. But I just I don't know if I could live there again. <laughs> I've I've heard that it's beautiful though. It's gorgeous. It's amazing. Well, and now you live in Dallas and, and I, I what's I, like the traffic in Dallas is like, everybody is flying. I mean, yeah. I was like, I'm doing 80 miles an hour and people are passing me. Like I'm sitting still. I'm like, this is insane. Yeah. We've got these like little Autobahn beltways here that are, uh, that are pretty awesome. Um, but you know, when you've got six or seven million people living in this in this metro area yeah. you got to have good infrastructure to really keep things moving so we're we've gotten used to just you know you can get from my house to downtown dallas in about 30 minutes and um wow you know that's 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 pretty quick yeah pretty quick yeah, for metro. It, it's it's insane so so talk about growing up in idaho you know i think that um I, I always find it interesting. I think that childhood, there's always a, an event or series of events or a person or maybe maybe more than one person that kind of that shapes or shifts the, the direction that, that we end up taking as an adult. D does, does anything come to mind when, when I say that? So my, yeah, my entire, entire adulthood has, was shaped by my, um, by my, teenage years. And, um, so my, my parents 
uh, my mom and my dad were divorced when I was young, really young. And so there was, you know, I, I grew up in Boise, but I'd visit my dad in California and, and we go back and forth. Um, when I was a teenager, I think that kind of took a toll on me and, and I looked for attention in places that, uh, you know, weren't, weren't very good to look for attention in. Um, and, uh, I got myself into a lot of trouble as a teenager actually got really? expelled from high school twice and uh, <laughs> the same high school. They let me back. <laughs> the uh, same high school. Wow. And, and I, I, I would, I was always getting into things and, and one of the very, what, one of, I, I, I was always entrepreneurial, but, um, but I was always kind of doing things in kind of a shady way. And so for example, one of my very first entrepreneurial ventures was, uh, we we had a mobile lemonade stand and rather than just putting a, a you know setting up a mo a, a lemonade stand and, and uh with the sign and everything and you know building out the boxes we put it in a wagon and what we'd do is we we grabbed my parents jug of peanuts uh dry salted roasted peanuts and we would give peanuts away for free because the idea was like okay if we give them something that makes them thirsty uh, then we'll get them to spend whatever we want on our, on wow. our lemonade um, so I was, I was like always thinking outside of the box that way. That's really smart, actually. <laughs> you know, yeah, we didn't sell too much lemonade because, you know, we, we would, uh, we were, we were mobile. And so we were like walking up to people in their driveway and we're like, Hey, you want some peanuts and, you know, give them some peanuts. And then rather than giving us money for lemonade, they just go inside their house. Whereas like when you're set up on a corner, it's it's location specific. You know, they're not next to their house. They're stopping to support your lemonade stand. We didn't quite figure that out. Uh, wow. But um, but then in, in high school, uh, I got into um, I got into making fake IDs. Uh, and, and this was one of my very first businesses as well. I, I made fake IDs for a bunch of kids in our uh, in our school and I did them all in MS paint. Right. And I'm like, OK, wow. we're going to we're going to we're going to make this work. And, and I designed this template and I'd print them off and I'd give them to our, our kids at our school and, and they worked. Nobody ever got in trouble except for me. And, oh my gosh. Uh, but this was kind of like my gateway into entrepreneurship. Uh, and obviously as I've grown up, I've realized the difference between right and wrong and good and bad, but what has carried, what's carried with me, what stuck with me is my ability to think outside of the box in the way wow. that I market, in the way that I, I create offers, in the way that I uh, um, serve our clients and customer base. And it's worked out really well for us. Wow. Ted, Ted says he made fake elevator passes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just barely scratched the surface with some of the things I did. We probably shouldn't go too far into that, you know, down that rabbit hole, but uh, yeah, you're like, I'm not sure what the statute of limitations is. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, oh we'll uh, yeah, we, we'll we'll save that for another day. Yeah, well, Joe, Joe's already complex. I mean, you're the CEO of video marketing world. I hope your lighting's on point. That's right. Yeah, I had to I had to go all out just so that way people think that I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so. So you, uh, now this was during your teenage years. Mm -hmm. Um, did you, did you, uh, and, and with the fake IDs, I mean, are you talking like fake driver's licenses? Yeah. Yeah. Oh dude. Yeah, it was mostly so, so kids in our class could get into bars and, and get wow. cigarettes <laughs> Wow. as, as juniors and seniors in high school. And this is in Boise. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so, um, Wow. <laughs> so you got in trouble did you get like law enforcement in trouble or school specific in trouble uh a little bit both yeah <laughs> i had to i had to go to court and um i remember when i was in in front of the judge he he was holding up these ids and he's like he's like young man these are really good he's like these are really good you need to be taking that talent and doing something else with it and wow. i took that to heart and you know now i consider myself uh one of the best thumbnail designers for YouTube thumbnails in the world. Um, yeah. But it, it all kind of stemmed from my ability to really like think creatively outside of the box, uh, yeah. all starting with um, fake IDs. <laughs> wow. 
that's incredible, man. So, yeah. so, so when, um, so we'll talk about what you look, look, and man, I don't condone that. I don't condone I, that to any kids who are watching this. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> your honor. Now I make fake passports. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. No joke. <laughs> so, 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 so you, so you, you took that and, and, what did you do from there? I mean, so you got in trouble. I can relate. I, I may or may not have stood in front of a juvenile judge or two. Several. Maybe three. <laughs> um, but, but so you took that and, and what did you do with it from there? Did you end up going to college? I went to college. Um, I, I actually went to college on a pre-dental track because I thought, you know, I, I want to um, – I want to get, I want to, I want to be successful. And dentistry seemed like one of those things where it was like, okay, you know, you can have a normal job and make uh, a higher level of income as a dentist. So I went to, to Boise state university, um, and, um, was on their pre-dental track. And then two years in, I just decided, you know, this isn't for me. And I, I really liked entrepreneurship and my wife and I were married at that time. And I, I thought, well, maybe we can just start a business and, and go from there. And, and we did, and we started, we started, we actually started seven businesses over the course of our first seven years being married. <clears throat> Every single one of those was a complete and utter failure. But what we learned from each of those failures has taken us to where we are today. And right. there were lessons, and I, I made a Facebook post about it a couple of years ago. There were lessons from every single one of those business failures that we ha that we now have incorporated into our business model today because we, we know all the things not to do. And so it was like, eventually, <laughs> it's a, just a matter of time before you figure out what to do because all of the things not to do, you've, you have already tried all those things and, yeah. and they don't work. So you finally kind of get your get yourself to a place where you're doing things the right way and things start to work out for you. You know, I, um, I, I, I had the, the privilege to, um, ha I mean, we, we hung out in Dallas. We went to dinner yeah. with, with, um, with Glenn and, and, um, and Brad Leland, which was, was fun. Um, and, and I, I, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you to, to reveal your age to everybody. But, um, I, I was like shocked actually at, at, at your age. I was shocked. Now, how, I still how, am. I'm, how old I am. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's shocking. So, so, uh, because you definitely don't look your age at all. You look like you're maybe 29 or 30. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm 37. Um, and I, I get that quite often, but I, I, you know, I hang out. I, I've got four kids. They keep me young. Um, my oldest is almost 16 and um, and she keeps me young. And and I play ultimate Frisbee every week with a bunch of kids. And so I'm like, I'm constantly surrounded by kids, which really for them, they're like, man, this guy acts our exact age. So it's fun for them. <laughs> and yeah. For me, everybody's kind of like, what's this old guy hanging out with these teenagers for? But um, yeah. but I have a good time. You know, we we uh, I've done a lot of um a lot of uh, church leadership with our youth and, and yeah. I get along. I feel I, I connect really well with the younger audience. And so I feel like it's um, you know, that's that stage in life right now where I'm, that yeah. I'm at, but yeah. I'm sure it's all going to catch up to me in the next few years. I'll, I'll probably start, start looking older. <laughs> do you, um, do you, do you, do you say things like, Oh, that was so cringe. Uh, <laughs> cringe. Uh, so my kids, uh, I say all the words my kids say, so they're, they're always like, bruh. And I'm like, bruh, <laughs> you know? And so my, my call my daughters, bro, because they call me bro and my son call him bro. Everybody's bro in our house. Uh, uh, I don't... My, my 11 year old daughter calls me bro, bro. Yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> don't call me bro. I'm your dad. <laughs> but I know. So, so, so back to, so how, okay. So you went to, you went to college. Yeah, I, I went for two years. Okay. Um, I end, I ended up finishing. Uh, I, I was like, you know, I'm going to leave school, but I'm not going to leave empty handed because I spent all this money and got in all this debt. And so I finished my associate's degree, which really amounts to just about nothing nowadays. And and then I was like, you know what? I'm jumping right into entrepreneurship. 
And our first business that we we started was a company called griphealth.com. And I have no idea if it's even a thing anymore. I haven't looked in it in years, but uh, griphealth.com. And, and our goal was to sell vitamins and supplements from this website and fulfill orders all over our our neighborhood. <laughs> wow. This is how like rookie we were. This was in 2000, I think it was 2005. And I'm like, okay, we're going to start a website. Um, we need a website presence. And so I built out this website and I think I did it in like Word. Uh, it wasn't WordPress. It was um, it was way before WordPress. It was, uh, I don't know. Was, I coded it all in HTML, put it up there, put all of our products on there. And I was like, all right, we, we're launching today. Here we go. And I hit the launch button and crickets. Like nobody ordered anything, obviously, because we didn't have a marketing plan. And, right. and so I threw this website up there thinking like if it's on the internet, it's going to work because yeah. it's the internet, the World Wide Web. And so nobody bought. And so <laughs> what we ended up doing was paying some of our, some kids, some neighbors, uh, 20 bucks to just take flyers to everybody in our neighborhood. And, uh, and I was like, what is the purpose of a website if we're just giving flyers, sending flyers to everybody in our neighborhood? So ultimately, long story short, that business completely failed. I still have vitamins and supplements in my vitamin cabinet from that are, that are, 16 years old um i'm sure they're past their expiration but and uh, that that was oh five you said oh yeah it was oh five wow dude wow (laughs) yeah you know too many people that's 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 the entrepreneurial dream right like build it and they will come like just build it and really there's not much else you have to do from that point you're gonna just retire wealthy very quickly (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, and, and and we were kids at the time. This was pre-social media. We didn't know anything about email marketing. We didn't know anything about. I don't even know. I, I don't even know if they were, if 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 Google was even. I mean, I'm sure Google was advertising, but I, it was like way beyond us. Like, we have yeah. to put money into ads to get people to come to us, and we have to figure out a custom of, of customer acquisition. And like, we weren't even thinking about that. It was just like my thought was: we buy a product wholesale. We sell it at retail. We make yeah. two bucks a box. I'm like, we only have to sell a thousand of these boxes in order to make two thousand dollars. Yeah, little did I know that was way more difficult than we had ever anticipated. And this uh, is you and your wife. Yeah, my wife and I. Uh huh. Wow. So, so that failed. <laughs> um, that, we don't even have to go. I, it couldn't have taken very long, especially no. if you, you were young. Yeah. Um, months, so where, where did you go from there? I mean, okay. So then you had all these vitamins. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you kept them. That, that must've been just to remind you, you know, don't do that again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I should take a picture. I've got a med- medicine cabinet full of some of this stuff still. Wow. And, um, it's uh, I'm sure it's like just like sludge now, but uh, but wow. from there. So from there, I um, I was in my early 20s. My, my wife and I got married when we were 20 years old. So we were just babies when we got married. Wow. And uh, from there, I uh, I started working in insurance. Uh, I got a real job, started working as an insurance agent. And uh, I used the insurance agency to help me uh, just to cover our bills while I worked on other um, ventures. And so we were in, uh, I I had a a company that was called um, Boise Equity Solutions, where I would go and talk to struggling homeowners and try and get them to sell us our house uh, at a discount, their house at a discount so we could turn and flip it. I was working for yeah. a real estate agent. Um, and then I, I got my series seven and 66 licenses so I could do financial securities. And I started a financial services business when I was 22 years old. Um, and as you can imagine, uh, that was a failure because nobody wants to trust a kid with their money, with their retirement. Plus this was now 2007, 2008 and the market crashed. And I was like, I got to get out of here. (laughs) So there's, um, there's a lot of, there was a lot of these like little businesses. I'm like, I think I can do this. I think I do that. We, yeah. Real estate insurance. Uh, we, we started a competitive company to Redbox called mega movie box where we bought a bunch of DVD vending machines again. Um, massive failure. And, um, but then that led us like everything led us to, um, 
Oh, let us, <laughs> you're going to laugh at this. I share this story and people kind of find it interesting. When Mega Movie Bucks failed, that was one of our biggest failures. We lost, I think, $60,000. failed, And we were kids and that was all equity. It was, it was Ow. equity in our, our house right before the crash. Oh, so, dude. so we took a bunch of equity out, invested in this company. The market crashed, the business failed. And we were like, what are we going to do now? And, um, uh, we had read like every personal development book that you read back then. Think and Grow Rich, As a Man Thinketh, Rich yeah. Dad Poor Dad. I mean, we read all of the 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 main books, and my wife and I were like, "All right, we're struggling right now. We have zero money in our bank account. Let's write a book." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so wow. so this was this was this was crazy. So we did this a little bit differently than we did anything else. Everything else was very public, where it's like. Hey, we're doing this business. Come and support us. Hey, we're doing this business. Come and support us. And when we decided to write the book, we were we were humbled, right? We had just eaten a big slice of humble pie because our business failed and everybody was looking at us and, and probably a lot of people were laughing at us and pointing fingers. Um, <laughs> but we knew that in order to be successful, we had to set goals. We had to have a vision and we had to be consistent in walking towards that vision. And so we wrote this book. <clears throat> it's called Fox in the Mountain. Let's see if I got a copy around here. I, I do, but it's buried. Um, it's called, it was called Fox in the Mountain. It's a children's book. And it's about this fox and his journey to the top of this mountain where there's this fruit at the top of the mountain that's better than any fruit anywhere in the valley. Uh, but to get there, he's got to face trials and tribulations and struggles. And and he runs into characters that are trying to talk him down and, and talk him out of wanting to go up to, to the top of this mountain. And it's all very representative of the things that we experienced on our journey to what we perceived as the top of the mountain and, and the people that we would run into and the situations that we would face. And so we wrote this book, this children's book, and <clears throat> we paid a friend from high school to illustrate it. And, um, and we told nobody there were three of us four well, two families that knew it was our family. And then the illustrator's family, nobody else knew. And, uh, so we wrote it, it took months, um, to get it illustrated. And, uh, and then by then we had saved up some money and, and then we, we went to, uh, China and found a Chinese printing company and they printed us a thousand copies of the book. Um, and, and we got this book and then we announced it after that. And what, what's crazy is we, I mean, we really didn't sell a whole lot of copies of this book, maybe a few hundred copies. I still have, I think four or 500 here under this bed. And it's been, been years and years and years. Uh, but, <clears throat> but what was, wow. what was crazy about this was it was like our ultimate vision board. It was like, we, we took a chance, we wrote this book and it literally became the roadmap to all of our success in life. Um, and we reference this book all the time and, um, and it has become like, it, it was like our treasure map. We followed our own, our own, we knew what we needed to do. We wrote it all down. We printed it in a book and then we followed that plan step-by-step step to where we wow. are now. And, and so we wrote that book and we had $3 in our account. And so wow. I think that my, my point in saying this is like anybody who's watching at home, like whatever struggle you're having right now, you can, you are still in a place where you can receive inspiration and you can write out your goals, write out your plan, and you can get on the right path to success no matter where you're at. Amen. Even if you have $60,000 in debt and $3 in your bank account, you can get on that path right this second uh, because we did. And we are just, you know, I was just a kid who got expelled from high school and, <laughs> and screwed up right? business a number of times, you know, like anybody but can do this. I, I, my so a couple of questions I have. Number one, do foxes really eat fruit? <laughs> like, I have no idea, but <laughs> I'm sitting here. But it sounded good. Foxes? <laughs> it sounded good. But the you know, so you go through these failures, um, and and I I, I normally bring this up towards the end, but I, I'll bring it up now. You know, I my wife and I started our very. I I met my. We were obviously a little bit older when we met. Um, and, and, um, you know, we started our first office and I don't know, six months or a year into it, we had a handful of employees 
And one day this guy walks in my office and he's like, um, Hey, uh, boss. And he's this big dude that worked for me. There's, there's some, some dude out in the parking lot looking in the windows of your SUV. I'm like, well, then tell him to get the hell out of here, dude. You're bigger than I am. And he's like, well, he's blocked with his tow truck. And I was like, oh, no, everybody was getting paid except us and the bank. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, that's a that was a moment in my life at whatever, 45 years old, whatever I was then, where I was like. What's the point? Like, this is crazy. Like, I, I, my car just got repoed in front of my employees. That sucked yeah. <laughs> like yeah. bad. And, and, you know, how do you go through all of those challenges, you personally and your wife, how did you go through all of those financial challenges, number one, and maintain a good credit score, which I didn't, <laughs> number two, like, maintain your sanity, because it's, it's hard, it's very difficult. Um, yeah, there were a lot of a lot of like challenges that my wife and I had in our marriage at the time, <clears throat> obviously like you, when, when emotions run high, when finances are tight and emotions are running high, you say things that uh, you don't mean and, and, um, and you uh, react instead of you're reactive instead of proactive. And so there was a lot of that that went on, but my wife and I made a commitment when we got married that this is forever, you know, we're not, no matter what, like we're, yeah. we're in this together forever. And, um, she stuck through me, uh, st stuck with me through thick and thin. Yeah. And I, I think that, um, having very candid, open, honest conversations and not hiding things from your spouse is really important. So that way you can work through things together. And, and that's really what we, you know, what we did. One, one of the, you know, one of the other things we were just talking about this yesterday actually is, Everybody who is successful knows without a doubt that they're meant for greatness yeah. uh, and, and they always achieve it at some point or another. It's the people who move forward 10 steps, then go back nine because they're afraid or they move forward 10 steps and then pivot because they feel like they're looking at somebody over here, somebody over here, thinking that they're doing it better and constantly moving around or doubting themselves. Those are the people that quit. And I don't say fail. I say quit because if you don't quit, you won't fail. That's if you right. never quit, you're, you're never going to fail. And, um, and everybody from the outside might, might look at you and, and you look like a failure. I mean, how many times has Grant Cardone stumbled? How many times, you know, I know this is polarizing. How many times did Donald Trump stumble? Right. How many times has, has any massively successful millionaire billionaire stumbled or gone bankrupt or had to restart from scratch. They do it over and over and over again. And the reason that they're successful is because they know within themselves that they are meant for greatness. And if you feel that way, if you truly feel that way, then get at it, like go after it. And, um, and if you don't feel that way, then work on doing the things to change your mind. So that way you do feel that way, because no matter what industry you're in, whether it's real estate or or just changing tires, right? You can be a mega millionaire as a uh, as a as a tire changer. You know, like the, the, like it's possible. You just have to think right, and yep. if you think right, then you'll get on that path eventually. I I last night logged into um, Cardone University grants thing and that that I pay for every month and. And um, I was at the 2019 growth conference that Grant had, and he had Steve Harvey there. And Steve Harvey, there was not a dry eye in the audience. Not, uh, it was unbelievable. He, yeah. he talked about how he lived in his car for three years. Yeah. The dude's worth over $200, $300 million now, right? Mm -hmm. he, he flies private, <clears throat> period. He doesn't fly any other way, <laughs> you yeah. know? And, 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 but you know, he, he told this story about if you, if you put enough, you know, passion into it, like you really love what you do. You, and he talked about a guy in Cleveland where he grew up that cuts grass and makes yeah. $4 million a year. Yep. Cutting grass. Yep. 
you know? <laughs> so it's like, there's no, there's no excuse. So I, I, I love that answer. I, my wife is on here, by the way. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So, so, so Scott, I, 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 you know, eventually I want to get to the fun stuff because I, it's, it's, it's literally after my heart, man. Um, you know, eventually you, um, you found your stride, so to speak. Yeah. And, um, talk a little bit about that because you had a bunch of failures that led to another failure that led to another one. And, and, and then eventually you found your way. Talk about that. What happened? Um, so there, there's a thing, you know, that I think of as the power of consistency. Uh, if mm. you, if you're consistent in what you do for long enough, you'll become the expert of that thing. And then you can market yourself in a completely different way than you can when you're just starting something. And this is one of those things that I think like every real estate agent should hear. Um, because there's a lot of real estate agents that are brand new in the real estate, um, industry and they're trying to market themselves as an expert and they're not quite there yet. And, yeah. and so, uh, whereas like there are people who are, have been working in the industry for 10, 15, maybe even five years, and they de develop a knack for working with a specific type of client. And, and a lot of times the, those people, um, who are massively successful will zero in on one category, one niche, right. Yeah. And, and yeah. they will become the master of that niche. There's power in being the brain surgeon of your industry. Like you think about a brain surgeon versus a general practitioner. They both go to medical school. One just stays in residency longer. The person who stays in residency longer, the brain surgeon ends up making 10 to 15 times the amount as the general practitioner because they are the expert of that industry yep. and or of that field. And so what I'd say to, to anybody who's like, anybody who's thinking about, um, you know, wanting to take their business to the next level or really wanting to be successful. Is, it's like zero in on that niche and hyper-focus on that, that very specific niche and serve a very specific audience. Yeah. The more specific you go, the higher you can charge because you're the master of that, of that category. So I think when, um, we fell in stride, when we really took the things that we are doing seriously. Like when, when we started on YouTube in 2014, it was more of a hobby and we had done, we did it for years and it was really a hobby in 2017. I was like, I'm taking this seriously. And in 2017, we went from, I think 10,000 subscribers to over a hundred thousand subscribers in less than a year because we, we started doing all the things that we needed to do in order to, um, in order to grow the audience on YouTube. <clears throat> Uh, and then as soon as we were looked at as an experts on YouTube, every door possible just started opening up. Now we get calls, you know, it's like Alex Hermosi. I get introduced to Alex Hermosi when he had 5,000 subscribers and we just broke 200,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel in wow. like eight months. Um, wow. And, and, and then that opens more doors and you get more connections. Uh, so the power of consistency, I'd say, is, is probably the thing that really helped us get to uh, really get in stride. My, my wife said, great point. How did that look for you taking it seriously? The, yeah. Um, so I think that when you do something as a hobby, you are, are, um, you're all right. You're, you're telling yourself you're all right. If you just take things in stride and, and learn as you go. And that, and that's great. And that's fine. Like if, if you have no desire to, um, to turn what your hobby, to turn your hobby into a career or to turn it into a million dollars, that's totally fine. But when you make that step from hobby to business, there are things that you should be doing in order to um, in order to to take that uh, re, re, in, or, in order to take it seriously. So, like for number one, 
uh, we started networking with people who were other YouTubers and started doing more collaborations with people. So that way we could learn from them. They could learn from us. We could work together and start creating content together. Uh, we started building out a business and, and taking the, our taxes seriously or our, the, the business side of things seriously. So that way we yeah. could have more tax write-offs. We started, um, we started reading our analytics differently so that way we could know what, um, what our, uh, our metrics told us about our audience and about our content so that we can make micro changes in our content to keep people on our, on our videos for longer or get, to get them to watch one video and then immediately watch another one and another one and another one after that. So there were a lot of things. I think we, we just studied our category a bit more and made it more of a, um, I, I guess made it more of a business than a hobby. Does that make sense? So, yeah, absolutely. It does. And, and so, so you, you took, um, I mean, there, uh, how do I, how do I word this? There are a lot of people that would love to take YouTube seriously. Right. And, and develop a, a, a huge following, um, I, I told you, I know people, you know, people, I know people with millions and millions of followers on YouTube that are yeah. making millions and millions a year off of those subscribers from the YouTube ads. Um, there's, there's a lot of, for somebody that, that says, all right, I'm the, uh, you, you probably know about the woman in Mexico, the old, do you know about the old grandma in Mexico that just started cooking on the stone oven? And uh-huh. yeah, I think it's, uh, me, um, me, yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. I yeah. I, I talk I about it all the time. I can't think of the name right now. I, I don't speak Spanish, but I love watching this old lady cook, man. It's yeah. phenomenal. And she yeah. has millions of followers on, on YouTube. And it was just one day she was like, let's just start cooking and i think it was her granddaughter that encouraged her to do it yeah and and so you know there are people that and my my dear friend jamie green just jumped on here and she's like i know her she's she's the solar queen in california and and she's um you know really worked on growing her youtube channel and and mm -hmm. get to the thousand that that magical number they give you where you can start monetizing and stuff but you know, how, what's the first step you would, you would tell somebody they need to take if they really want to start taking YouTube seriously and building something with it? I, I the first step is to plan for the long haul because YouTube is a marathon yeah. and, and it takes months and months and months, even if you're doing things perfectly right. The, uh, you know, the, um, the Hispanic lady who cooks, yeah. she, she is, uh, she's an outlier. Like you, you don't get on YouTube and in two days have a hundred thousand subscribers. It's that that's a complete outlier. Uh, what the typical journey looks like is you get on YouTube, uh, you figure out how to shoot, then you start creating content and, and then you, uh, then you find your audience, but then you kind of, you kind of move with your audience. So if they have questions, you make content on that it's very community oriented and, and if you work with your community, the faster you'll grow. So if, if yeah. you, if you build relationships with your community, the faster things will move. But YouTube is, it's a long haul. You got to settle in. And if you don't have a plan in place ahead of time, it'll take even longer because that's where you look to the left, you look to the right, you see what they're doing and what they're doing and you start emulating them it's if you can be authentic and find your own voice then youtube will grow faster as well so <clears throat> when you took it serious what 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 kind of a youtube channel did you have like like mechanics how to fix a carburetor or <laughs> no no so our our channel was a family vlog uh it was a family channel and we we started in as personal development channel and then we're like, you know, let's incorporate the rest of the family and then just show people how we live so that we can live by example and they can learn by the things that we're doing and how we're talking to our kids and the discussions and conversations that my wife and I are having about success and, and things like that. And, and, um, and so we, we brought our kids in and then it was, we would travel and we do all sorts of fun stuff together. But what I really 
discovered was that <clears throat> for for a number of years our channel had had become kind of a copycat of what other people were doing and I, myself like whenever i'd get on video i'd act completely different than i normally do <clears throat> as an authentic you know as authentic scott i would yeah. turn on you know youtube scott and it just became very inauthentic I and mean, you watch some of our early stuff it's it's not me at all i just i just acted that way because i thought that's how you had to act on youtube um but as soon as i turned that off and became a a more serious dad who talked about serious things and had serious conversations with kids but then also was fun and engaging then people really started to fall in love with me and our family and our community started to grow very rapidly so authenticity authenticity is also a major factor uh in in social in any social media growth Agree a million percent. I, I I talk about it all the time. I'm trying to get the words out. Like I, I like you just said everything I would have said. Like you've yeah. got to be real. You got to be authentic. You can't be because people detect it too. Like oh hundred percent, they detect it, and it especially turns now, like the the next generations that are coming up, they know what's real and what's fake. Yep, and and they're calling it out like crazy. And what's what's fascinating is that. Um, and I, I draw this comparison all the time. You've got um, Maybelline New York uh, is a is a company. Um, it's a sub company of L'Oreal, and L'Oreal is a billion dollar company. Maybelline New York has a massive marketing budget. They have three hundred thousand subscribers on their YouTube channel. Um, they 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 just can't crack the code and blow up their YouTube channel. Whereas then you have Nikki Tutorials, who has like thirteen or fourteen million subscribers. She's Nikki tutorials. She does makeup tutorials. Okay. She, she, she's blown up this channel doing the same things that L'Oreal uh, or that uh, Maybelline New York wants to do on their channel. It's just makeup tutorials and, and talking about makeup and, and, um, and how to look good and feel good, but she's an authentic human and she has 14 million subscribers versus 300,000 subscribers from Maybelline New York. That's the power of authenticity. People want to come to YouTube as humans looking for a human experience, not looking for the uh, ideal, um, you know, an idealistic, uh, I am perfect type of an experience. They want, right. hey, this is this this person could be my friend. And if you make them your friend on YouTube, you can explode a YouTube channel. Uh, and and this is a perfect time to take a break for our sponsor, Maybelline of New York. Um, <laughs> Get that money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. But I, you know, it's so true. And I, I see, I've, you know, I look, I analyze business Facebook pages often, and and I see, I'll I'll, I'll bring up one, Kohl's, multi billion dollar corporation. And their Facebook presence sucks. It's yeah. really, really bad. And I think they leave it up to each individual store manager to manage their pages. And you know, you'll see a post every two or three or four, or five days, or and they're just you know all about here's our sale, coming, come and take advantage of our sale. And it's like, no, you guys are doing it all wrong. Yeah, but you know. How do you convince, and, and Jamie says that's the difference between personal branding versus corporate branding. How would you, if you were sitting in front of the CEO of Maybelline, what would you say to him or her or whoever it is? What would you say like to, to wake him up? Um, well, have you, have you ever uh, seen Wendy's Twitter account? You no. ever follow, you follow Wendy's on Twitter? No. You need to you need to follow them. They do. They're headquartered here. They do social media right, on, at least really? on Twitter. Oh gosh, yeah, they're hilarious. They're great, and they they build a conversation. They build a community. People rally behind them. They roast people all the time, and they and they roast their competitor. They roast McDonald's. They roast Burger <laughs> King. It's very like meme. It's like a meme oriented uh, type of content, uh, but they crush it. That's what I would point to. That's what I'd say is I'd say you need to build a relationship with your audience and you got to stop hiding behind a logo. You need to have one spokesperson who is raw, real, 
and human, not somebody reading off a teleprompter, not somebody who's memorized lines, but somebody who can be the spokesperson for your YouTube channel and engage a community. Uh, be, otherwise, you're just going to be creating more noise and not bringing anything back to you. That's uh, Allstate was another one that's got, they've got a really small YouTube channel. Um, and it's mostly just them sharing their ads, right? It's like, no, have have somebody uh, who's creating content, sharing, um, you know, interviewing people who were in car accidents and, and how grateful they were that uh, Allstate was there or somebody who had storm damage, you know, but it's like have one host that can be real and raw and authentic and who is who is taking control of this corporate brand. And that's that's what I think most corporations are deathly afraid of is giving that amount of control over to somebody who who is, um, you know, too authentic. <laughs> uh, I, which is insane because it's the exact uh, the exact opposite would happen for them. It, like Shaka says, uh, Wendy's, he said, Wendy's is awesome on Twitter. They're the yeah. 50 cent of restaurants on social media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're incredible. They're yeah. Incredible. I gotta check that out. I've never, and they're right here. They're 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 headquartered here in Columbus. So 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 you you're saying that um, is there is there a line though that they could cross and and take it too far? On uh, YouTube, you mean like with authenticity? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. There <laughs> there are people that are way too authentic on YouTube. Where you where you're just like what are you doing to yourself? <laughs> right. Like I, I remember when we were first, uh, when we were, when we were really starting to figure it out on YouTube and when we had some, some other acquaintances that were also doing the same stuff, same type of content and we started to grow and they didn't. And I remember looking at their content and they would be, it was, it was overly emotional, um, type of content where you're like, where you're just kind of like, this is way too dramatic. Like nobody is going to want to, to be, be in this community because it's so much drama. And, um, and so there are, there are layers that you definitely want to like not peel back. Um, yeah. I usually say like peel back a couple layers, let them in, let them know who you are, what you stand for. Um, and, um, and, uh, and some, some things about you personally, but don't let them in to like your, your dinner table conversations, you know, things that get serious yeah. and, and, and could really like position you in a, in a bad way. Um, there is definitely an extent to the branding and usually like when our clients will get that way. I'll have them pull back and I'll be like, Hey, we're going to edit this out because I think you say this in a way that could be perceived wrong. We need to remove that. It's great and authentic, but it's just a little bit too far. And so we're very I, like mindful of those things when we're helping with branding. You know, I've, I've seen, um, there's a lot of prank channels. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's every day somebody wants to do a, a new prank prank channel and, and some of them are good. They're, you know, um, I forget what the, some of them are that, I, that Steven, what's I forget his name now, but, um, they're they're funny. Some of them are really funny <laughs> because they're authentic. They're real. But some of them, you can tell this is all made up. It's not real. Like the entire thing, everybody knew what was getting ready to happen. Like and and you know, I'm sure that you encourage people not to do that. Like keep it real. So so uh, yes and no. Like it it depends on um, the circumstances. So we we have some clients that will do storytelling type of content and you yeah. and I talked about this at dinner. Um, yeah. and, uh, and if they have, if there's not really a great story in there, we'll have them ad lib things in to try and make it a better story to try and yeah. keep people hooked for longer. And so, yes, I say, you know, add things in to help sensationalize the content to keep people hooked. But I would never say let's fake an entire video um, yeah, there are, I mean, there, there's a, there's a market for that. I mean, it's just, that's just fictional content. It's just like what you yeah. see on television. There are people who just make up stuff and for entertainment value, and that's totally fine. Um, but I think that when you're trying to build an, a, an authentic brand, it's really easy to, 
get called. It, it, if you if you fake something, you will be called out, and it's it's easy to cross that line. Yeah, and then have people lose the trust. We work yeah. with business owners, and so the no like and trust factor is extremely important to our people. And and if you fake something that looks weird, you can lose that instantly, and it takes a long time to get that credibility back. Yep, I I totally agree. Totally agree. So so you went into this. Um, you, you got serious in 2017 with your YouTube channel. Um, where are things now? What are you doing now? So uh, we were full time YouTubers from 2017 to 2019, and and then uh, YouTube. Did, had what was called Admageddon. And yeah. so YouTube, um, for any content that was questionable, even if it wasn't questionable, if they were is in a category that was questionable, then they pulled the revenue from that or made it really difficult to monetize that content. Yeah. And so we went from, you know, making X amount of money to about uh, 10% of X amount of money all in the span of a couple of months. And my wow. wife and I, at that point, that was all that we are doing. And so we're like, hey, if, if we want to um, continue <clears throat> growing, then let's go back to our roots and, and get back into business, get back into the books and start, start working with business owners and teaching them how to use YouTube to grow their business. So we bought Video Marketing World or we bought a percentage of Video Marketing World in 2019. Um, we ran the conference in 2019. It was an incredible uh, and then we just developed our, our YouTube agency from there. And now we work with some of the biggest brand, uh, some of the biggest influencers in the world, uh, helping them build a brand on YouTube. And it's been incredible. That's awesome, dude. That's so yeah. awesome. So, so, um, and for anybody that would want to, what, reach out to you and talk to you about, you know, working with you, is that, is that through this rafiti.com yeah so this is our agency this is our our youtube um agency rafiti.com you can go yeah. there and uh fill out the form or you can just dm me on on instagram or facebook uh my my facebook or my instagram is i am scott simpson and that's simpson without a p so they can find me or they can just email me at scott at rafiti.com yeah so, so Scott, let me ask you, and, and this is, you know, your, based on your opinion. Um, now the number one, I ask everybody this question, the number one answer is fear. So you, you, um, have to do better than that. Okay. Um, so what do you think stops people from experiencing number one, real financial success and number two, this is the same question, but um, experiencing freedom and real happiness in life, and and I do think they're related. I think finance, I because I've been, I've been broke and I've been wealthy, and wealthy's better. So so talk about what you think is stopping most people from really making it in life. I think it's I think it's um, it's belief in themselves. I over fear. I think that it's self doubt that holds everybody back and comfort like comfort holds people like comfort is so um it's it's such a powerful tool or a powerful motivating factor is yeah stepping outside of the comfort zone it's like as soon as you do that and you start taking some risks that's when the, this tidal wave of doubt comes in doubting your abilities doubting the market doubting um what you know what you're capable of uh i i think that um, personal belief is, is such, uh, such a incredible tool that we should be, we should be focusing on teaching our, our next generation of children is, is how to believe in themselves and, and not believe in a, not necessarily have to believe in a system. Right. Cause it's like, you think about it yeah. from, from the day that kids are born or the day they enter daycare or whatever it's they have belief in um they take comfort in a system uh whether that's daycare then it's elementary school then it's high school and it's getting good grades right it's like what does a good grade actually teach you <laughs> what does that actually do for you in life i got c's and d's and uh, we're massively successful and 
Um, th- th- I know a lot of people who went to I- incredible schools and got A's, straight A's and, and honor roll and dean's list. And, and they're not really doing a whole lot of anything. And I think that taking our belief away from a system and putting it into ourselves is, is extremely powerful. Wow. That, so what steps can people take? Well, I mean, where, 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 if somebody has a, um, I mean, I've been there, but I mean, you've been there. We've all been there where you're like, well, that didn't work out. I suck. And everything about owning a business sucks. And like, you know, like where, where do, where do they start? Where does somebody start to have that shift? Uh, reading books that, that help you think outside of the systems that you are a part of. Um, I mean, one of the greatest books that we've ever read was Think and Grow Rich, followed up by As a Man Thinketh. James Allen, that, that book is like this big, it's teeny. Yeah. And what he packs into those pages is so incredible. Uh, and, and, and it completely changed our life. There are hundreds uh, of these old books. And I, I say use read the old ones um, because those were the original principles and the newer ones that just share the old principles, they're typically written to try and sell you on a course or something. Yeah, <laughs> so right. I like, I like reading, uh, uh, as a man thinking, thinking or rich, how to win fl- friends and influence people, the greatest salesman in the world. Um, these are all incredible books. Uh, my favorite modern day book is expert secrets by Russell Brunson. It's a phenomenal book. I think you got it on your shelf back there. I can see it. Um, <laughs> incredible. Yep. Yeah. Incredible. But I would say, Working on changing the way that you think is step number one. If you don't change the way that you think, then you're always going to fall back to yep. the belief systems and, and thoughts that you have always had. So changing the way that you think is, is step number one and surrounding yourself with people that think the way that you want to think is step number two. That's harder to do because you have to be able to offer them something for people who are more successful than you to want to hang out with you. But, um, but surrounding yourself with people who are high achievers is uh, is another thing. In eliminating things, people, sources of news, anything in your life that drags you back down to your comfort zone or to those the systems that you're trying to break free from, um, just getting rid of those in your life. <laughs> and that's that's really hard. That's really hard. Totally agree, man. Totally agree with you. That that's awesome. So. Um, I, 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 Scott, you're, you're unbelievable, man. I, I, and Charles just pointed out that you have a free YouTube channel blueprint for free on your website. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. Yeah, that's good too. It's like 55 pages and it. It's like solid. It's got really great tips and advice. That's awesome, dude. Um, I think that everybody on here should definitely go follow Scott on social media everywhere. Um, and, and reach out, reach out to Scott. Like he, he knows what he's talking about. And obviously, um, Scott, you rock dude. Thank you. I appreciate you coming on and and sharing your wisdom with, with everyone. Yeah. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate the opportunity. I always love doing stuff like this and, and sharing some of the things that I've learned. It's, um, you know, hopefully my, my goal is that through my story that maybe somebody will have an epiphany and be like, Oh, that's what I need to do in order to get to that next level. So hopefully we had somebody here today who, who can say that. And it's not, it's not, you know, YouTube's not the only Avenue, right? Like this, this is what you're talking about can be applied to marketing multiple multiple areas of life it's just yeah it's it's just marketing and everything is marketing the from the way that you order your your lunch to the the people that you talk to at church to your colleagues and and everything is marketing how are you marketing yourself youtube is just it's just an extension of you it's just a, a way that you can you can create a relationship or community that's not what i that's that's not my main focus. My focus is on helping people develop communities and and become more successful in their businesses by uh, reaching more people in an authentic way. Amen. Amen. What's your YouTube channel called? 
It's uh, Scott and Camber. Camber is Amber with a C in front of it. Camber. Yeah, Scott so they can go and, and check out a bunch of our older content. We've got we've got thousand videos that we produce. So, wow, lots of stuff. That's awesome. Thank you so much. My wife said you definitely help more than one for sure. So, so good, thank good. you for being here. Thank you for sharing. Everybody, make sure you go follow Scott. Scott Simpson, you rock, brother. Thank you for being here. And hang hang on. I'm going to end the live stream. Everybody have a great day. Scott, thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. Take care.